make sure I'm turned on here. Well, hey, good to see all of you this morning. You've had a week to adjust to the new time, so you look a lot more awake than last week. Okay, it's great to see all of you. Wasn't this a rough week this past week? Getting up a, an hour earlier every single day, it's, it seemed that way to me. So if you're a guest here today, I want to welcome you. We're really fired up you're here. I uh, want, want you to feel at home. Don't want you to have your guard up. It's okay, we're not going to bite, we promise. And we want you to come back next week, so we may even bribe you with lunch if you'll come back next week. We're right in the middle of a series called Right in the... Yes. And we're going to close it down today. This is our last uh, part, and I saved the best part for last. Okay, so I'm excited. This, this, uh, this lesson we're going to look at today really ministered to me and really uh, inspired me, called me higher, and I hope it will do the same to you. But if you fall asleep today in the lesson, okay, we're going to carry you outside and hose you down. No, we're not going to do that. You can go back to the website and you can uh, watch it again. You can hear it again and again. You may need to hear this one a couple times because this is kind of one of those messages where you got you got to like almost engrave it in your brain because it, it's not easy to get this. Uh, I believe we've got a couple people from uh, Bakersfield that are here visiting. Welcome to you guys. Great to have you. They, they were here for the wedding. Our, our elder, one of our elders, uh, his daughter, his oldest daughter, got married yesterday. He had a shotgun. Oh, I'm just kidding. No, he, he, uh, he married his daughter. It was an incredibly beautiful wedding yesterday. And uh, thank you guys for, for being a part of that and also for raising and blessing them there in Bakersfield. And I want to welcome all of our friends online. Uh, it's great to have you guys uh, with us as well. And so let's get started. But before we go into the sermon, okay, before we go into the sermon, we're going to time out from the sermon mode, okay? No sermon. This is just a talk. So you can put your notes down, your pen down. We're just going to talk, okay? I got a question for you, okay? Very, very important question. What kind of person do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? Now, here's the deal. You are a certain type of person because, you know, when you leave work every day and you walk out and there are a few people still staying behind there at work, guess what they're doing? Talking about you. <laughs> what do you want them to say about you? You know, when you go to visit your family on the holidays and you're there with your family and, and then you drive off and they're all in the driveway and they're waving, right? Goodbye, so good to see you. And then they go back in the house and close the door. What do you want them to say about you? Oh, they're talking about you. They are talking about you. What do you want them to say about you? And that's a huge question. And what if, what if you decided, what if you decided that you don't want to be just anybody? You don't want to be like everybody. You want to be extraordinary. What if you decided that you want to be extraordinary as a person? And, you know, we all know people that are extraordinary at something. I'm not talking about that, you know, because those people can be annoying. You know what I mean? When they're really good at something, when they're extraordinary at something, like an athlete or a musician. You know, we got some of those people up here. They're really good at what they do. But it's not, they're not, that doesn't necessarily mean they're extraordinary people. Because sometimes because they're so good at one particular, they're smart, you know, or something like that, they're a great athlete. But I'm talking about somebody that's all around extraordinary, extraordinary person. What if you were to ask this question as you began your day every day? And, and, and to think about this, what would an extraordinary person do in this situation? Like, for example, when you go to work, if you're, if you're an employee, what if you decided, I'm going to be today an extraordinary employee? If I'm a boss and I manage and I, am I overseeing people, what if I decided I'm going to be an extraordinary boss? What if you're just, you know, a person, you know, somebody at school, you know, a, a friend, a student, whatever it is. Uh, I want to be an extraordinary friend in person, a husband. What, you know, 
What if you decided today, I want to be an extraordinary husband? What if, and I'm, I'm married to an extraordinary wife. She's an extraordinary person. She's an extraordinary wife. But what if people, as they leave, and they just said, you know what? He or she is extraordinary. You know, what if your parents thought that about you, and they raise you, and they just, you know, they're, they're well along in their years, and they're retired, and they go, you know what? We raised an extraordinary child. They probably think that way about you anyway, right? Maybe. But what if they were able to say it? That, wow, he or she is really extraordinary. And it starts off with this question every morning when you wake up. What would an extraordinary person? This is, this is the part that really started to challenge me because I had to ask myself, okay, in this particular situation with tension, when I'm facing a dilemma, you know, or I got to pay a check or I got to, you know, buy something, charge something, I got to make a decision, I'm in a meeting, I'm doing a lesson. What kind of person would deliver an extraordinary lesson? And this, you know, because there's a lot of times, guys, I can tell you, I do not feel this way. I feel less than extraordinary. I feel this, this part right here, ordinary. But what if we were all to decide we woke up? And I, I want to challenge you this week to put this question in front of you when you leave for your day and to ask yourself, what would an extraordinary person do in my situation? Okay, and you say, well, why are we talking about that today? Because of this. How many lives do you have? How many chances do you get at living this life? How many times are you going to get to be right where you are today? How many tomorrows are you going to get? You don't know. And maybe you're one of these people that believe in reincarnation. You're going to come back as a cat. Now, I don't believe that, but maybe you do. What kind of cat do you want to be if you get that second chance? That's not, you know, that's not something the Bible teaches, but, but, you know, there are people that believe that. But let me tell you what we have in front of us today. You have the opportunity to be an ordinary person or an extraordinary person. Maybe today is your first day back to church in a while. You haven't been to church in a while, and you know, you've, you've kind of you've wandered on, and you're back, and somebody dragged you here, brought, bribed you here, and they convinced you to come. Maybe, and you're like, man, I'm, 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 on, I'm on my way back. I'm going to make a comeback. This is for you then. If you're going to do this again, if you're going to give this a second shot, wouldn't you want to be extraordinary? this time around Amen. and that's something we gotta we gotta wrestle with and and, and so now I'm gonna start the sermon okay we, that was just the intro now you can pick your Bible up and now we're gonna get into sermon mode now you could be saying to yourself well this, this is preacher talk you know and I know he's gonna kind of get us all motivated and thinking positive, and I want to be extraordinary, yada, yada. I don't know if I'm going to go for that. I think it's all preacher talk. They're going to probably take another contribution later. So I'm going to dismiss that extraordinary idea. Because that's a preacher. It's a guy with a microphone. That's what he does. Let me ask you a question. If your kids were sitting in the audience today, and they got to hear this lesson, would you, would you, or maybe they heard it online. Maybe one of your friends or somebody heard it online and would you walk up to them after they heard today and then would you go, hey, you know, I know you heard all that stuff about extraordinary, but just ignore it. Forget it. Or your employees. You got your whole group of employees here in the first and second row, all the people who work for you. Maybe your boss is over here. Would you tell him later after he heard the message or she heard the message, would you walk up to her, him, them, and say, hey, just ignore that. It's preacher talk. I promise you, you wouldn't. You know what you would say to your employees? You know what you'd say to your son or your daughter? You know what you'd say to your boss? That's right. We all want to be extraordinary people. Wouldn't you want your kids to have that mentality? 
And if you're a follower, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, the real deal, not just, you know, I go to church once in a while. No, I'm saying a real baptized believer. I follow Jesus. I'm a disciple of Jesus. You are 100% in. You got you to gotta think this way. It's not optional. When you're a Christian, you, you believe that God is a personal God, that he, he works in your life, he's personally involved in you, you have a personal relationship, and he has specifically called you with a plan and a purpose to be extraordinary. Not to be like everybody else, but you are extraordinary. So you've got to take this challenge today if you're a Christian. You've got to embrace this. But reality, here's reality. We don't. And we settle in. We settle into thinking just like everybody else. And we think, you know, that's just the way it is. We've been doing this study on, on right in the eye. It's, 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 a, it's a study on the book of Judges. And we've been looking at the book of Judges as it pertains to Israel and their history. The problem with Israel is God wanted them to be extraordinary. He wanted to use them. He wanted to show the rest of the world, this is my people. These are my chosen ones. I don't know if we can deal with the echo there, uh, Steve. Got a little feedback. I don't, I, for, for Israel, just to, I want to use you guys. I want everybody in the world to look out there and see Hey, these guys are with God. God is with them. How can I learn from them? But guess what they did? They said, nah, we're not interested in being extraordinary. We're not interested in being like what you want, God. I know, you, you know you've got your rules and your thing and your way, but they started looking over their shoulder. God said, look up. Don't look over. Look up. And they said, no, we want what they have. I want some of that, I want some of that, I want some of that, I want some of that. And what happened? It was a tragedy. This, this is basically the cycle. They basically told God, we're going to do what, what seems right in our own eyes. We're going to do what we want. So basically they were disobedient, then disaster struck. This, this was a cycle for 300 years. Disobedience, disaster, deliverance. Disobedience, disaster, and deliverance. Think about this for your own life. If God has a plan for you to be extraordinary, do you want to follow Israel's example? You know, and, and just thinking about this. Basically what they did, Israel, they did, is they, they fell flat on their face, and then they called the one who basically warned them, if you guys follow the people around you, this is what's going to happen. He predicted this. If you do this, this is what's going to happen. And then the phone call comes, hey, can you get me out of jail? Can you bail me out? Can you help me? And what does God do? He does it. So in the study of Gideon, unlike Samson, last week we looked at Samson, Gideon was a great ruler. He was a great judge. He's an inspiring judge. But there was a starting point and there was an ending point. So we're going to look at that, that tension that, that Gideon was feeling, and maybe you'll be able to relate. But Gideon basically had to make a choice. Am I going to believe what God thinks about me, or am I going to basically think about what everybody else thinks about me, my circumstances? And I'm not going to be able to cover the whole story of, of Gideon, okay? Judges 6 and 7 and, and, and part of 8, I want to encourage you to read it, okay? Please, read your Bible. There's some incredible, incredible stories that you can, you can learn from and grow from if you'll read it. And, and let me just share with you, you know, I, I brought my Bible here with me, okay? I got it here. I, I don't even use it that much. I don't even use my Bible anymore. You know what I use is I, I use I use my, my my tablet. There's this there's this app. It's called YouVersion. It's incredible. I'm on a reading plan. I've been doing it for several years. It's awesome. It tells me what to read each day. And I can tell you I, now with the new technology, I'm reading my Bible more than I was. And I'm a I'm a preacher. 
Okay, I used to read my Bible a lot. I'm reading it more. But here's what I feel with some of you. You're not reading your Bible that much at all. And you're missing out. You're missing out on the opportunity to know what God feels about you. What he's calling you to. You are listening to what everybody else thinks about you more than you're thinking about what God feels about you. And so who's influencing you more? This is exactly the tension that Gideon was faced with. Because he wasn't listening to God. So read your Bible. Go there, version. it's free. It's free, it's incredible. They got videos, they got, you know, sermons, they got all kinds of apps. They've even got a version for kids. Did you know that? It's brand new, it's awesome. They got cartoons and little images. Show your kids what God feels about them. So let's begin, Judges chapter 6, verse 1. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Now, the Midianites were their cousins, distant cousins. And in old Bible times, most people were related way back. But for seven years, they were under the hands, and basically the the Midianites were oppressing them. And they were ruling over them, and it got really bad. Look at, look at what's, what the situation was. Because the power of the Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Imagine this. You can't go home today. You can't go to your house. I know you have a house or an apartment or a place that you live. You call it your own. You've got to go basically up Azusa Trail, and you've got to go hide somewhere, and that's your place where you live now because you're so afraid to go home. That's how oppressive it was. Even worse, when the Israelites planted, planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way from Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. Not even a donkey was left. I want you to imagine this scenario. You go home today, and all your stuff is gone. Your most prized possessions for the guys. You know, flat screen TV, you're going to watch, you know, maybe an NBA game or some of you, this is championship week, and you're following NCAA basketball, and you got it, you know, got to record it, and you're going to watch something. You're going to, you got a movie, you got a, a, a series that you're going to watch, you know, or you watch it on your computer or whatever. Imagine it's gone. You got nothing. And then you go into your, you go into your pantry, right? And you're hungry, you want to eat, and there's, there's nothing in your pantry because the neighbors came in and took it all. And you come home shopping from the grocery store and you're looking around, they're going to take this too. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they did what? They cried out to the Lord. They They got God on the phone. They said, hey God, will you please, please come and help us? We need your help. Okay, and we promise, right? We promise, right? We promise. We promise that we're going to listen this time. And what did God do? He rescued them, as he always does. Understand this about God. He is a God of mercy. I don't care how many times you mess up, you, you, you make a mess of your life, you ruin your life. Imagine calling God, just like your dad saying, yeah, dad, can you come and pick me up and bail me out? Exactly the thing you told me not to do, I did it. And exactly what you told me was going to happen, it happened. So I'm this hard-headed kid, and and I need you to help me out. And what does God do? Time after time after time after time, what does he do? He bails you out. Now, how many times do you get? It's a good question. If I were you, I wouldn't take too many times. Because you don't know how many times you're going to get. I got a lot of times. Okay? I got a, I got a number of times. But I reached a point in my life where I said, you know what? I, I don't want to keep playing this game. He's a God of mercy. And I want this mercy. I want this mercy to have an effect on my life. 
They don't want to do something about his mercy. He's a good God, and he's a merciful God, and he's, he's forgiving and loving and gives me so many chances, so I want to make good on that. So we read on in verse 11. So God heard the phone call, and he sends an angel. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abazite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Okay, so when you thresh wheat, where should you do it? Out in the open. Because what you do is you throw up the wheat kernels and the chaff gets blown to the side and the kernels come down. But he's doing it in a wine press. In other words, he's doing it in a hole in the ground or he's doing it in a barn. Why? Because they were going to take it if they saw it. Everything they did had to be in hiding. Could you imagine life like that? You're scared about somebody taking your stuff, your food. You have to eat in hiding. You have to do everything in hiding. And so here's Gideon in this really, really tough situation. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. What? Hey, hey, I know you're an angel and everything, but do, do you know what's happening here? Have you, have you seen this? Do you know who, who, who I am and what I am? And so, you know, and, and this is intense because Gideon probably, do you think Gideon's thinking that he's a mighty warrior? And basically, he's saying, Gideon, have you forgotten who I am? Have you forgotten what I want to do in your life? Have you forgotten my promises? Have you forgotten the, the way that I want to use you and the people of Israel? And so this, this here seemed like, you know, and some of you here today, have you forgotten who God is? The God of your childhood? Have you forgotten the prayers that God has answered in your life? The things that he did with you? And I would say, yes, you have forgotten him. Because when he says mighty warrior, you look around, you're going, who's he talking to? You must be talking to somebody else because it's not me. And so Gideon, now I appreciate this about Gideon because Gideon is very polite. He says, pardon me, Lord. That's a good thing, right? Be respectful to an angel. Pardon me, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened? Now, if you're a good God, why all this bad? Sound familiar? If, if, if you're so good, if you're with us, if you, if, 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 if you, why? If, why? And God's not afraid of this question. Okay, so please, if this is your situation, keep on asking that question, but then stop and ask yourself the question, how did I get myself here? Because we want to blame God for things. If we're in this situation, why, if you're great, and I've heard all these stories my whole life, God, I've heard these stories about when you rescued your people out of Israel a long, long time ago in a land far, far, far away, God rescued his people. But what about now? What about us? What about me? Do you see the conditions that we're living in? If you are a good God, why, why? And the cool thing is, 3,300 years ago, Gideon asked this question that you ask a lot. You want to know the answer to that question? Here it is. And he continues, okay? He doesn't stop there. Where are all the wonders our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? Now he's taking the angel to task. That's pretty bold. But you know what I appreciate about Gideon? He's honest. And I want to encourage you to be honest with God. Some of you tiptoe around your relationship with God. You don't have real conversations with God. And for that reason, you get bitter. You just eat it. You stuff it. 
You need to have a real conversation with God and say, hey, if you're good, if I've heard about all these blessings and I see that you're great, how come? And he goes on, he says, but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of Midian. And so basically, let me break it down for you. God, I am not a mighty warrior and you are not a mighty God. Tell me about his faith. Where's his faith right now? How many times have you said, I am not a strong Christian and God is not able to give me the strength? So basically you say the same thing that Gideon does. I am not a mighty warrior. I don't care what you say. I'm weak and I cannot get myself out of this situation. And that tells you a lot about his faith, doesn't it? His faith is really, really in a tough spot. And it was all because of what? His circumstances. You have to ask yourself, this is huge, this is really, really important, so if you kind of daydreamed off or you're napping, whatever, I need you to come on back, elbow the person next to you, make sure they're awake, this is really, really important. If you, if you are letting your circumstances dictate your faith in God, you will end up in a very, very dark place in your life. Because circumstances can get tough, and I'm guilty of it just as much as you are. Okay, I'm guilty of it. I, I, I know that I can get myself in a hole. I can look at problem after problem after problem situation and go... Oh, man, I don't know if God is mighty enough to save me from this situation. And, and you've abandoned us. Now, did God really abandon them? Now, here, here's where we're going to get to the interesting part. Okay, you ready? We always accuse God of abandoning us, but who did the leaving? Who stopped praying? Who stopped coming to church? Who stopped making decisions to do the right thing and started doing what everybody else does? See? This is his, God works with us where we are. Okay, he works with us where we are. The Lord turned to him and said, go. Go, Gideon. Go in the strength that you have. And how much strength did he have? How much strength did Gideon have? Not a lot. But even that, even that, just Go. Take a step in my direction. Lean in my direction. Would you just do that? Will you just take a baby step? Will you just move in God's direction? You have. Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending who? You. What if our nation were depending on you? What if your family, what if your marriage, what if your neighborhood, what if your high school was depending on you? And God said this to you, hey, there's a lot that's going to happen here and it's not going to be good, but go in the strength that you have because I am sending you and I have chosen you to do extraordinary things. And Gideon's probably going, did you not just hear what I just said? Were you not listening to what I, all the stuff that I shared with you? So Gideon, polite again, Pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied. How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. And it gets into more detail. How can I do this? Did you know what I, God, do you have any idea what I did last night? Do you know how long it's been since I've prayed? Do you know how long that it's been since I've even been to church? Do you know what I've been doing? Do you know what my lifestyle's been like? 
And what would God say to that? Yeah. And then he goes on and says, I'm the, Manasseh was one of the 12 tribes, and yes, it wasn't one of the prominent ones. It wasn't one of the big, bad, strong tribes. It was a lesser tribe. And then he goes on to say, my clan, my clan is the weakest. I mean, we're the smallest. We're the, we're the, we're the guys that never get picked for the team. You know, we're the last ones to get chosen when they, when they go and pick teams. And do you know, God, that I went to junior college? I didn't even go to a four-year. I started in a junior college. And even in junior college, I didn't get good grades. Do you know that about me? And do you know that I only have four friends on Facebook? And those four friends that I have on Facebook are only test people. You know, I just tested it. And I just started with Twitter. I don't even know how to use Twitter. I'm not that big of a deal. That's what he's saying. Do you ever say something like that? The Lord answered, Oh, then never mind. I I must have come to the wrong house. Some of you are opening your Bibles. Look, look, it's there. Judges 6, 16. Doesn't say it, does it? That's why you need to read your Bible for yourself. I could put any, I could put any passage up here. Don't trust preacher (laughs) trust God trust your own knowledge of your reading of the scriptures you better know it okay this isn't what he said but some of you think that you're waiting for God to go next door go find somebody else now this is really really important this is really really important This is what I pray for you, and this is what I pray for me and you, for all of us. God, for just 30 seconds, will you help us to see who we are from your vantage point, from your perspective. Help us to see who we are from how you see us, not how the world sees us, not how I see myself. Because here's the deal. If you see yourself as you see yourself, what if you're wrong? And you know that the way you see yourself changes every day. One day you're high and you think you're Superman or Superwoman. You think you're all that, but then the very next, maybe even later that day, you are down in the dumps and you are depressed and you're discouraged because somebody said something about you. What if what you think about yourself, what if what they're saying is wrong? Think about this, guys. This is huge. And I pray this for all of us. God, please help us to see who we are in your, from your vantage point. Because some of you, you don't see yourself as God sees you. You see yourself as everyone else. Your marriage is based on how everybody else looks at marriage. Your finances are based on how everybody else looks at money and how they spend money. Your relationships are based on how everybody else looks at their relationships. You are defined. Do you either have a girlfriend or you don't have a girlfriend? You're in or you're out. I mean, come on. Really? What if they're all wrong? What if they have no idea who you really are? You want to wrap your idea of who you are with PhDs and and the bottom line of how much you get paid and, and, and this and how successful are your failures and your successes. Please pray for God to show you Amen. who you are in his eyes. So you can get out of this funk that we're, all of us are in. And now here's the question. Who are you going to believe? You're going to believe everybody else? You're going to follow the herd? Are you going to believe God? 
And, and, and the world, what, what does the world say about each other? It's not good. Now here's the thing. Baptism. What do you hear when people are sharing before their baptism? And I, and I highly encourage you, go, go, everyone go over to the Andrade's house at 3.30. Is that okay? Sergio and Sochi? Everybody go. But, but you've been to a lot of baptisms, some of you, and some of you haven't. I, want, I encourage you to go. When you hear somebody share at their baptism, what do they share? Man, God is so awesome. I can't believe he's given me this opportunity and he's forgiven me of my sins and, and this is so incredible and, and baptisms are so inspiring because they, there's, for like a, there's like a moment there where they're seeing themselves, God, in the way he sees things. Not the way they were thinking months before. But what's happened to you? Have you forgotten the prayers that God has answered throughout all this time? Have you, have, you, have you remembered? Or have you forgotten? And that's why I love to go to baptisms every chance I get, because I just want to hear. I, I just want to sit. I don't want to share. I want to listen. I want to listen. What, what are they feeling now that they know what God feels about them? Man, that's so awesome to hear. The Lord answered Gideon in this moment of tension. I will be with you. What else matters? I will be with you. Gideon, don't worry about it. I'm going to be with you. Now, what do you do with this? God says, I'm going to be with you today. And I don't care where you are in your life, mom, child, student, professional, boss, whatever your position in life, here is the question. God says this to us, I will be with you. Here's the big question. Will you be with me? God says, I'm going to be with you. Will you be with me? And if you really want to know how our situations get really sideways and, and dark and complicated, do you know why? Because we don't stay with him. God holds his hand out and says, hey, I'll be with you. I'm going to carry you through this situation. I'm going to bless you. I want to, I want to use you. I want to take you to being extraordinary. But the question is, will you be with me? And, and in this whole series, we've been dealing with this question, the whole series. You have the freedom to do what you want, when you want, with who you want. What are you going to do? It's your choice. No one's going to force you. Some of you teenagers, you think, man, my parents are forcing me to do everything. You're forcing me. Well, you know, they're persuading you. But in a few years, you're going to do what you want, when you want, with who you want to do it. And let me ask you this question. Will you do what everybody else is doing, or will you take a stand to do what God is telling you to do? So you can be extraordinary. Now for the adults. What are you going to do? You're grown adults. I'm not going to treat you like children. And let me just say this. Some, some, somebody said not too long ago, well, I feel like we get treated like children at church. Huh. Let me just straighten it out. You are your own boss. I am here to encourage you. I am here to inspire you. And yes, I am here to challenge you, but it's your choice. It's you. It's all you. Maybe the voice that you're hearing is your own child voice. Maybe it's time for you to step up and make a decision for yourself instead of blaming other people for your situation. That's what Gideon was doing. Okay. Here's what God is saying. I'm asking you to believe when I tell you I'm with you. I'm just asking you to believe that. Will you take me at face value? Will you trust me? 
yeah, but I want this relationship now. No, and I want this job now. I need this money now. I need this situation. I need, I need, I need this, this, this feel-good situation now. Will you trust me? I'm with you. Will you hang on to me versus hanging on to that temporary fix? Now, 1,300 years later, guess what Paul said? Now, I'm, I'm not going to talk about Gideon anymore. Go read the story for yourself. I highly encourage it. We're going to move on to the New Testament because this is where it comes down to us. The promise for Gideon is even greater with us. Okay? And that might be hard for you to believe. But look at what Paul said about us. If God, if God is for us, who can be against us? You better check that. If God is for you, who can be against you? Yourself. Let me, let me break it down for you. Who is your greatest enemy? You, dude. Because you won't believe what God says about you. You prefer to believe what people say about you. And what the world says about you. It's you. You've got to make a choice. And some people even say God is greater than us. I like that. But I know I'm responsible to believe God or not believe God. And this is what I've seen play out. Now, not only this, here, here's, here's more to this passage. If God is for us, who can be against us? Who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all? How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? I mean, God opened up his checkbook and took his son and said, I give it all for you. This is how I feel about you. This is my promise to you. And Gideon would say, how can I know I, I can trust you? And read the story, it's so incredible. He goes back and forth, you know, with God, and he, he, he wagers with God, I need a fleece here, I need, and he takes baby steps. But God just comes straight out with us in the New Testament and says, listen, I value you. I didn't spare anything when it comes to valuing you. Accounting 101. Okay, accounting 101 says this, Mike. You're an accountant, just graduated with an accounting degree. The value of a thing is the price it will bring. The value of a thing is the price it will bring. Go on eBay. How much is that lamp that you have worth? Get a picture, get a description, put it out there, and the bidding will start. Let's put you on eBay photograph, description of your life. Let's put you out there and let's see what people will pay for you. You know who will win the bid? You know who will win the bid? And you know what the price will be? God will win the bid because he's put a value on you that no one can match. Nobody else can bid. Donald Trump can't bid any higher than God can on you. He could take all, you know, all of those guys put together. All the wealthiest men in Forbes magazine, top 10 wealthiest men in the world, they could all put all their wealth together and it still won't match God's value on you. Hear that. It says it right here in this passage. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him for us all, that he will not also, along with him, graciously give us all things. It's not just that he gave his son. He says, I'm going to give more. So what's the question? What's your value? How do you value yourself? Same way God does? See, here's where it is. You look at yourself the way the world does, the way you do, and it's so, so off of reality. Yeah, that's preacher talk. I know some of you cynical people out there. And you're going to minimize this. 
Would you minimize this with your child? Man, you would want your child to feel as awesome about him or herself as you if possible. And that's what God's trying to convince us. Mighty warrior, I am for you, I am in you, I am with you. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Will you, will you have this conversation with God like Gideon did? Will you believe the scriptures when they speak about you? This is what's holding you back. Some of you are not growing and thriving. And you've settled for ordinary. Instead of when God is trying to tell you, I have such a plan for you. I want you to be extraordinary. Stephen Furtick said this. He's a, he's a preacher out in North Carolina. He says this. He says, it's dangerous to think more of yourself than you ought. True, true statement. It's equally dangerous to think less of yourself than God does. How is it dangerous to think of yourself less than God does? Let's go back to last week, seven days ago. Let's ask ourselves, what did it cost Samson because he thought less of himself than what God did? It cost him everything. I see it time and time again in our church, in our world. People trade in everything because of this they don't right value themselves oh it's so sad it's so sad God's trying to say I want I want you to do I have such plans for you such dreams yeah I don't know believe it. here's the thing today's lesson in the whole series is not about staying out of trouble. We're not talking about staying out of trouble. We're talking about reaching your full potential. It's time to raise the roof on your life. Some of us are stuck, and I would even say this, in our church, we're stuck. Come on, guys. Come on. Realize your full potential as a child of God of the impact that you can have in your neighborhood, in your, in your family, in your marriage. Some of you are low-balling yourselves. But there are exceptions because there are teens that are changing the lives of their families. And that's awesome. A teenager changing his parents? Yup. That's what happens when you realize your full potential. But parents, don't wait for your kids to inspire you. Come on. Inspire your kids. Dad, mom, inspire your kids. I'm too old to inspire anybody. I, I get that. I get that because, I, you know, I'm 50 now, and I, my energy's not what it used to be. But let me tell you something. I want to reach my full potential at 50. And I don't know what that is. I think God has a full, full-on potential. So, bringing back the original question, what would an extraordinary person do? What would, it, what would he do? That's what I want to leave you with this this week. Shoot for that. And you know, you may come in and you're with your kids and you go, I'm going to be an extraordinary, and you go for it and you act like, and, and do they notice? Probably not. They won't say a word. You're, you're supposed to be extraordinary. You're a parent. <laughs> it's not about recognition. It's about letting God know, I believe in you. I believe in, I believe in what you're going to do. So let me leave you with this. What would you do if you were confident God was with you and for you? What would you do differently? How would you walk into work tomorrow? How would you go into that job interview? How would you go into that, that deal that you're trying to bid, you know, and you're trying to, you're trying to sell something? Well, how, would you, how would you go in if you knew this? I promise you, you go into a lot differently than, than you do normally. So let me leave you this. 
I want to encourage you this week, pray for your eyes to be open. Pray for your eyes to be open just for seconds, just for a minute. God, help me to see myself as you see me, not how the world sees me, not how I see myself and all my failures and and what all these people and circumstances are saying about me and my ex-husband, what he said about me and my ex-wife and my aunt or my own. Forget about all those people. You focus on God what he feels about you and help others to do the same you know what we need a village around us guys i need my small group i need my people around me saying hey we believe in you i can't tell you how much that means to me when i hear those words and i know you need to hear those words but if you're not involved and connected with people in your life and you're out there trying to go at it alone you will not make it and, and, and the cool thing about Gideon is, you know, God says, you're a mighty warrior. And you know what he did? You know what his first act of hero, heroism is, was? Go read about it. He, he, he kicked over an idol. Boom. Kicked it over. Probably nobody was watching. He kicked over an idol. Boom. Yeah. Destroyed an idol. That's where he started. Where are you going to start? Start somewhere. Start with baby steps. Start with something small. And let me, let, me, let me just, this is the end of the series. This is where we roll it out. We close it out. This is the end of right in your eye. Please, please, please do not settle for everyone else. I don't care how good it feels in school. I don't how, care how good it feels at work. It will not last. The very thing that you think you're trying to emulate in everybody else very might well just destroy your life. It's right in front of us. It happened to Israel. It happened to Samson. And we don't want that for us. So let's wrap up this this lesson. Look back at this passage and we're going to take the communion. And as we take the communion, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Today, as you take the communion, I want you to understand God is reminding you in the communion of what he is valuing you. As you take the bread and you take the fruit of the vine, this is your new value. This is to remind you. That's why we take the communion every week so we can be reminded this is what your price, your value is. The value of something what it will bring. So let's pray for the communion. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the message of Gideon and the last five messages about the book of Judges. It's a a tough story, but God, we're so, so glad we could finish on a high note with Gideon. We're so glad we can finish on a high note with Paul and what he said about us. And God, thank you so much that he He reminds us because the Roman church forgot. And so that's why he wrote the book of Romans. And that's why we need to look at the book of Romans again today and say, if if you are for us, who can be against us? And I beg you, God, to open our eyes today that at some point today we can stop and think about how you see our lives, not how the world sees us. Thank you that we can take the communion now and be reminded of Jesus on the cross and now on the throne and that he's valuing us through his body and his blood. We love you, God. Bless this communion. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.